Welcome to episode three of Visitings. I'm your host, Alan Nakagawa, and this time I was able to meet artist Maria Gaspar in her Chicago studio located near Chicago's Chinatown district. We started by talking about her ongoing work with the community surrounding Cooks County Jail, where she's designed art projects collaborating with artists, residents, business owners, and design professionals. At the time of our interview in August 2017, she was getting ready for a new series of projects with communities inside the jail, as well as another project in New Haven, Connecticut, that also includes a jail that is located inside a residential area. Yeah, this is uh, it's new territory. I know, you're yeah. like a radio DJ now. <laughs> you know, my mom was in radio, right? I told you. She had her own show at the Boys and Girls Club when I was a kid. So she learned radio through DIY, you know. Here in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, the radio station was two blocks away from our house. And my uncle was a director, and my other uncle had a show, and everyone just started having their shows on the station. <laughs> and hers was a poetry show in Spanish, and then a women's health show, like for Latina women. She had two shows? She had two shows. She may have had others, but I remember two shows specifically, because she would read poetry in Spanish very romantically. And then she, and then you know she would do the new the news and the weather. What? She did commercials. You know, you know? This. yeah. I, I have recordings of her. Really? Yeah. I, I a couple years ago, I have a collection of cassette tapes because she would you know record herself or at home. I'm not sure. Uh, and my friend uh, digitized some of the cassettes for me, so I have a, some of her audio. Yeah, well, I was so young. I was like six or so. And I remember what I remember the most is feeling really uncomfortable with her sexy voice. Oh. <laughs> it was too sexy. And she was my mom. So the voice was not the mom voice that you. No, it was the sexy voice. What? Uh huh. Yeah, so. That sexy voice, listening to that sexy voice as a kid was strange, and I didn't know how to <laughs> how to unpack that at the time. But now, now when I look back, I'm like, that's that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. This is a national educational radio network. This is WCYC in Chicago. Las uniones hacen fuerte a Chicago y usted debería apoyarlas asistiendo al desfile y concierto de la alcaldesa Byrne con motivo del Día del Trabajo. El 6 de septiembre a la 1 de la tarde es el primer desfile del Día del Trabajo en más de 40 años. Comienza en las avenidas Michigan y Walker con más de 200 unidades que incluye más de 80 carrozas hasta llegar al Grand Park. I remember the on-air sign, the sort of the smell of the Boys and Girls Club, you know mixed with coffee <laughs> like um and just yeah just listening i i think that's where maybe my um maybe my interest in like listening you know i feel like i do a lot of listening especially in the work that we do you know whether it's teaching or in communities um but i i have a very visceral response to sound because I think it was because of, you know, I was listening to my mother's voice and 
Um, even though I was maybe doing something else as a child, coloring, I was still engaged with what she was saying. And so I have, um, yeah, I just have like a, a, a deep interest in, in that. And so um, it was fun. It was really fun to hear her have these different voices too, I think, you know? That it's like, oh, she's um, a complex human, you know? <laughs> nice. Right? Yeah. Ref I've had a lot of reflection time on her, <laughs> on like her creative uh, roles in my life, you know, as um, growing up. T tell me, it, because of the projects that you've been doing? Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, I think so. Like because of teaching and because of because she's she works at a school. Like she's been there for over forty years at the same school. She continues to live in the neighborhood we grew up in. You know, at the same school, two blocks away from her house. And so I think I I I'm always you know I'm often thinking about ways in which she. Um, you know, the way that she works with others and the way that she uses creative strategies to um, either just, you know, hang out with people or get them excited about something or make them laugh or make them smile. Like, she's, she's very um, charismatic in that way. Does that radio station still exist? It does not, unfortunately. So the National Museum of Mexican Art purchased the radio station. Oh many years ago, I don't remember. I, I'm gonna say mid-90s, early to mid-90s. Oh. Then the station was located in the neighboring community called Pilsen. And they did a phenomenal job, actually. There was a, I think, if I'm correct, one of the programs that was led by young LGBTQ youth, like Latino LGBTQ youth, won like a national award for the work that they were doing. So I think in a way, historically, they've done a lot of radical work. That station has had a history, I would say. I think it's pretty radical. Um, and now the station, they no longer have like an, an FM dial, but now they run as a, I think, podcast or, or live stream. Oh kind of thing and they are still doing cool work but it so it's changed over the years its form um what's the name of it now it's called radio arte and it's primarily run by yolokali arts reach which is a youth program of the national museum of mexican art So I came to, to know you through uh, our mutual friend, Mallory Cartlett, and uh, she, she said, I met this artist who's working in, with Cook's County Jail, which is a famous jail, you know? And so where are you today with that? That was several years ago. So I, I know at some point you became like the artist in residence there or something, right? N no, or not really. you got really. a grant to work inside the jail? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, the project started in 2012, and um, we uh, have done different kinds of projects since then, things like um, public in art interventions at and around the jail site, 
um, to uh, you know interact inter into interactive community workshops that are focused in performance and art. Can you give me an example? Yeah, so let's see, we did a project um, called Not Just Another Day, where we collaborated with an organization called Yolokali, who I was just talking about, and they had been doing these really awesome stencils all over the neighborhood. They were power washing text onto sidewalks. So they would create a stencil, power wash it, because sidewalks are so dirty, you know, the text, um, basically you know gets emerges after wow. the power washing so it's like removing dirt to reveal the 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 saying or the quote or whatever it is so then they ended up doing that at the jail on the jail wall and around the perimeter of the jail so youth uh, generated some text and one of their questions that i really liked was what's your role question mark and we stenciled we created a stencil for it um, and then the local graffiti blaster from the neighborhood actually volunteered to then power wash the text with the youth on the site. And you know, over time, the text would start to disappear because it's ephemeral. And um, the idea was to get residents or passerby or visitors or correctional officers, whoever um, moves around that space to ask themselves what their role is and it's not quite clear it's like what's my role in what you know in the community in this world um at this jail and that's what we wanted we wanted to sort of get people to question um their relationship to incarceration or to that site in some kind of way And then the one other project uh, that I mentioned about performance workshops is that we invited different facilitators in the city that we felt do work that kind of contributes to 96 Acres projects. So any work that deals with social justice or performance um, or that deals with, you know, um, this, this sort of psychology around architecture and things like this um, to then lead a series of performance workshops that were free were for the community and we did them at different sites um, around the city and those are really great because they dealt with issues like uh, there was one called criminal um, it was called criminalizing it was about criminalization and uh, the facilitators were involved in a sort of theater, in a theater company. And so they did a lot of kind of like Augusto Boal, Pedagogy of the Oppressed kind of exercises with participants. Um, another, uh, one of one of my, one of the fav my favorite titles of a workshop was called The Panopticand. And it was a collaboration between an architect and an artist, the architect uh, there, his father was incarcerated when he was a young person and then the the artist who was co-facilitating she 
runs her own program at a prison in the state of Illinois, and she's you know she's a working artist too. So it was also really fun to watch different collaborators come together and facilitate projects, and and so you know to sort of see what emerges from the workshops. And so a lot of those attendees um, came from architecture. There were a lot of students at that one, um, but there were also other people uh, who attended that you know, were residents of the neighborhood or people interested in like urban planning um, that, you know, are sort of informally <laughs> working within uh, urban planning um, and they are leading things with youth. So I think some people are also kind of using that as a way to experiment with ideas and perhaps even borrow things to then take to their own projects. So it was, it was I feel like they're all kind of laboratories, you know, a way for us to just come together and talk and things like that. So those, I think, were two really successful parts of the project. Um, I think what it did is it helped mobilize people to come together around those issues, but through art making, through play, through performance, um, through kind of educational work, you know. But then we also had this um, uh, audio project that has been ongoing, which is um, teaching people how to use audio recorders, kind of recording basics. We collaborated with Vocalo Radio for a little bit. They're the sister station of Chicago's NPR, and they do a lot of really awesome community audio work. So we collaborated with them, did some workshops, taught people how to use equipment, and then people identified questions and then asked one another those questions. And then that audio later would become part of our ongoing archive that has been presented at different places. Some of the audio has been presented on the radio. Others um, have been presented at um, exhibitions. We had an exhibition at the Jane Addams Hall House Museum a couple years back. And so part of our exhibition included a listening space where people can take a listen to some of the contributions that have been created by participants in the project, including like a high school um, a uh, young student who talked about her father being incarcerated and the story was primarily about like her visits to, to see her dad and how she felt and what she saw and things like that. Um, so the, pro the project has sort of, um, you know, I think it had this intention of, you know, trying to create a platform, you know, to talk about these issues because the jail exists within, um, you know, a neighborhood of mostly um, Latino people, an immigrant community, a kind of low to middle class community. And sometimes as being a resident of that neighborhood myself, um, as, a, as, a, as a kid growing up, I knew firsthand that we would often ignore the fact that the jail was there for whatever reason there's so many reasons um, i'm choosing to say the word ignore but i think there's a lot of words i can replace it with um. And you have newer projects now, mm -hmm. so we'd like to talk a little bit about those okay which ones did would you like to start with um i can maybe i can talk about I can talk about two. There's a project that I'm developing in New Haven, Connecticut, called Sounds for Liberation. And there's another project that 
Well, I kind of I did started it a while back, but then I picked it up again this year. Um, where I'm making these uh, disappearance suits, which are these um, wearable garments that I wear and kind of perform in the landscape. Um, but I think that they both kind of deal with. I think um, I think a lot of the work that I do kind of deals with visibility and invisibility and. Um, I've been thinking a lot about modes of opacity, you know, like the way that certain things could be seen or gradually unseen over time. And I think, you know, it ties pretty directly towards some of the work that is, I think, more political um, or more directly about the politics of a space or the politics of the body, things like that. And so Sounds for Liberation is something that grew out of a conversation I had with an organization in New Haven, Connecticut called Artspace. And they do this open studio event every year um, called Citywide Open Studios. And they invite many artists to come perform, exhibit their work, um, participate in exhibitions and activities, things like that. And they often invite an artist that's not local to come and do some kind of special project. So I, I'm one of a couple of artists doing a sort of special project. Um, and we talked about the location of the open studio event, which is in this old military uh, armory um, that was used by the foot guard. And it's this very enormous, it's a very enormous building. It's kind of beautiful. It has this um, beautiful interior that has sort of layers of paint on it that's somewhat peeling off. There's a gigantic room as soon as you enter the space where I think that's where the foot guard would practice and many many small rooms so it's a it's a very um, large kind of architecture and it's located within um, a, just a working class kind of low to middle income community so it has some of those same attributes as a project in Chicago called 96 Acres <laughs> which is also kind of about the way that this massive architecture kind of coexists within a community. And so, um, but what was most interesting about the visit the first time was that they have a county jail next to the armory and there has never been a project that they've you know exhibited that deals with that relationship, the proximity of being literally like 10 feet away from a county jail. And so then, as we began kind of brainstorming together and thinking about a project, it led to um, a more solid project which uses sound to get people to sort of share their perceptions about um, that uh, relationship, you know, between the jail and the community, between the armory and the jail, all of these sort of relationships. Um, so I'll be working with a group of youth from a local high school uh, about five young people who have an interest in, you know, sound or music or journalism or um, narratives, storytelling, and uh, I'll be training them on how to use recording equipment, kind of basics recording, and then we'll be going out into the neighborhood, interviewing people, getting kind of sound clips. Um, the sort of initial question that I'm kind of coming with is, what does um, liberation sound like? And I've you know, I'm, I'm in thinking a lot about, um, you know, the exaltation or 
the, you know, maybe somebody's um, a written poem or maybe it's uh, a text from a really important speech, you know, or something like this. But I, I really want to play with the, the different ways of like, you know, illustrating what does liberation sound like. Um, and then from there, we'll identify more specific questions because, you know, they're from the neighborhood, the, the youth, they know their community best. So they will um, form these questions together. And then that's what we'll use to then interview people in the area. And then, you know, over time, what eventually will happen is we'll be doing a live stream uh, broadcast of their um, their content, the, the material. And we're hoping to connect with a couple of local stations. There's a, a station called the New Haven Independent, uh, which uh, is interested in participating in some kind of way. And then there's other radio programs in the area. So we're hoping to partner with them. Um, and then, you know, part of what I'm doing right now is thinking about what the visual presence of this looks like. Because, you know, I always come at it from both a kind of community organizing lens, but also an artist lens. So, you know, uh, what is what are the aesthetics of sound, you know? And that's always a challenge, I think, with working with sound is how do you um, get people engaged uh, not only through a, a kind of sonic experience, but also how do I you know, keep them engaged through a visual experience. We'll do some audio basics, and then their first assignment is to uh, interview someone you know and someone you don't know. Because I find that, you know, often um, when I've worked with, you know, even for myself, you know, when you're going up to a stranger asking them a question, <laughs> there's, it could be really daunting, you get really uncomfortable. So we'll kind of go through those um, you know, exercises to see what we can learn and, you know, gain from that. And then throughout the, the rest of the week, I'll show them some examples of what I think are really interesting public art uh, projects that um, deal with spatial justice in some kind of way. And then we'll have conversations about it. We'll also walk around the site to get a sense of it. We'll make observations, maybe even record those observations that could be used for the audio later. Um, you know, some I, I'm imagining that some of the content will include, I think, very you know, um, personal stories. But I'm also imagining that some of the content will will include music or some experimental recordings. Um, and then towards the end of the pro program, um, they will be independently recording, bringing that to the workshop, and then we'll listen to some of the clips, we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about how to improve it. And then I'll take that content um, to Chicago back home and do some sound engineering on it with uh, a friend of mine who's the sound engineer. <laughs> um, and then the youth will take a listen to the first cut um, I'll get some feedback, bring it back, do a final, and then present it at the event. Ringing, 6.45. Can we quickly we can talk take a, a little bit about uh, disappearance? Okay, yeah, let's shoots. talk about that. <laughs> so I, I first, we, I think we all saw it first on uh, social media. Yes, we all saw it. Yeah, we all saw it. All of us. So it's like, what, 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 what is the, that? <laughs> what is this funky thing? So... Can you talk about that? Yeah. I, I started making these um, brown suits. I used to call them invisibility suits um, a, c a couple years ago, like seven years ago. And the first one that I made 
was um, performed live in Iceland because I was doing a residency in Reykjavik. And right uh, during the, the time that I was there, which is June, uh, it was also the time of the midnight sun, so it never got dark. And I was doing a lot of studies of brown, and you know, I'm interested in brownness and the immigrant body and kind of making these connections between um, the color brown and sort of political political power, browning out, did a lot of browning out of rooms and things like this. Um, and so I was, I was thinking like, how, what does brown look like during the midnight sun, you know? And so I made a brown suit and then I I just sort of ran around in this, in this suit across the landscape. And, you know, Iceland is this magical country, you know. It's so beautiful. There's a lot of mythology, you know, there. And so I was really inspired by the, just the beauty and the vastness of the country. So I would go out and perform these, these uh, walks or runs and then had a friend photographing me. Um, and... And so that, and it's a pretty homogenous country, you know, pretty much people look the same, <laughs> although I think that's changing. Um, so it really stood out, this brown suit. When you say they look all the same, what do you mean specifically? Well, it's, it's a pretty, <laughs> well, there's not a lot of diversity, no. you know. Um, that's probably really terrible to say. I don't want to say that generalization, like, I'm, everybody I'm, looks the same. <laughs> I'm envisioning, like, millions and millions of Bjorks. <laughs> <laughs> Bjork, man. I never got to meet her. So cool. That would have made my She was probably watching you from afar. Yeah, she's like, what is this girl doing? Um, I know. It's just, it's a really homogenous country. Mm -hmm. So, and then, um, so when I was at Marin Headlands during my residency. This year. I, yeah, this year. I brought some of the suits with me and I thought well I'm just gonna you know how you go to res residency and you're like you have an idea but then you're like well let me just bring these things just in case <laughs> that's what I did and then I uh, found just a bunch of dry grasses in the field that were just cut and started collecting those and then I decided I would make a new suit this time I felt like uh, disappearance suits made more sense and started sewing and um, laying a bunch of this hay onto the, the suit and then eventually um, kind of performed in it in, in these tall grasses uh, near, near the headlands and, and took photographs of myself within the landscape. So I was trying to appear and disappear mm -hmm. within the landscape and I decided, you know, this is sort of um, a sighted project, you know, it comes from the Marid headlines. It was made here with the material from the area. It's another like site responsive project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, these suits will just become this collection or the series of, of suits that I can create and perform and wherever I go. So but eventually, that's, that's not all that there'll be many. Though, right? What do you mean? Well, I mean, I'm thinking the brownout suit was created when our nation had a black president, for instance, mm -hmm. and a lot of empowerment was happening. Mm -hmm. and the invisible suit is when Trump's president. Mm -hmm. Is there any relationship there? Is that a coincidence? <laughs> well, I don't think it's like presidentially, you know, like time stamp necessarily, well, not, but. <laughs> not, not just those guys, but okay, it's, okay. it's the overall. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think direction. that. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember um, 
uh, one, a major like uh, ice raid that took place in my neighborhood years ago, and just remember that kind of trauma that 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 took place in the neighborhood and how people came together after and. We're just trying to um, heal from that, and now that this is happening more and more, that um, it feels ever more important that that you know, um, it just it, it it's a scary time. It's a really scary time, and um, I work with undocumented students. Um, you know, I have a family. You know, so uh, I I have. There's a lot of fear. You know, I think that I think the project tries to to get to get at. I mean, I think the act of disappearing is is about partly survival, but also about resilience. You know, because when I think about um, the people that um, in my in my community, for example, um, I think about their resilience in trying to sustain their family, trying to sustain their business, their livelihood, their dignity, you know. And so I think there is there is like a power in that, you know. There's a real power in that, and I'm interested in that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that I've been trying to evoke through my work, but I think it's a little bit more ethereal, you know. Like it's, it's me moving through a landscape, <laughs> you know. Um, but it, it certainly affects the work I mean that's I think that that really is what the impetus for the work um, but how do you feel I think we could end it there is that okay I think that was great that yeah was I right. thank you so much I'm turning off the machines thank you okay thank you that concludes this episode of visitings Thanks so much to Marie Gaspar for taking the time to talk about her work and some of her family history in Chicago. Much appreciation to Echo Park Film Center, Machine Projects, Dub Lab, and the entire 99.1 FM family. I'm Alan Nakagawa sitting here in my living room in Koreatown, thanking you so much for listening to Visitings. Most of the artwork that is uh, referenced here can be viewed at Murray Gaspar's website, murraygaspar.com. 